Hello everybody, welcome to the NC Real Estate Podcast. I'm so excited that you have come here and chosen to join me today. If you haven't already, come over and join me in the Property Investment Mastery Facebook group. That is where every single day the conversation around property investment gets started. So no matter who you are, jump into that group. And if you want to find out anything else about NC Real Estate, then head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk. Okay, let's jump straight in with this week's podcast. Wow, I have had one of the most busy, busy weeks. Um, I also run a development company, and at the moment we are doing an externals renovation on a property in Branham Gardens in Earls Court, London. And the project started today so I'm recording this on Monday the 24th of September so the day before it goes live and the project starts today so scaffolding is up that started going up at 7am London time this morning um, that's already gone up the contractors are up on site and they are currently scrubbing down the externals of the building and actually by this stage all my work is done my job in the development company is to be contract admin so I make sure that all of the health and safety is on point. I've been doing the CDM regulations. I've been making sure that payments have been made and are agreed with the client. And I do everything else associated with the admin. So I look at where we're spending money. Have we spent enough money? Have we not spent enough money? Are we allocating funds wisely? I'm looking at quotes from the contractors, for example, the scaffolders. Are they charging us fairly? when are they going to be charging us when do i need to be charging the contractor or the client all of these sort of things are things that i really have got my hands stuck in with and it's actually quite exciting i like being on this side of the fence my business partner is the on-site building manager so he is there every single day of the week come rain or shine he's in charge of everybody he's in charge of keeping momentum going he's in charge of getting the job done I simply sit at the background and I say to him yes you are spending correct money here you're not spending that much money here it's too much it's too expensive our budget doesn't allow for it um, and that's the kind of thing that I'm doing as project administrator. Usually I've got far more of a hands-on role, but this project I don't. And it's quite nice. I really enjoy doing uh, spreadsheets, calculations. I enjoy getting to grips with the accounting. All of the things that I wouldn't normally have a good hold on. Someone else would probably be doing that for me. This time I am completely in charge, so I am loving it. It's so nice. And then I'm getting sent through daily pictures. I get sent through the invoices. I kind of keep a tab on every single thing that's going on. Um, and in my organized mindset, I am someone who loves this. I produce spreadsheets of what jobs should be going on every single day of the week, who should be on site, have they had their health and safety briefing, if not, uh, Sean, my business partner, I need to do that. I'm going to send it through to their contractors first to make sure that they're doing it. Um, I keep a track on the weather as well. How important is that to know whether we can actually do decorating, for example, or maybe we need to hold off for a few days and we need to change what we're doing to something else. Can we get on the roof? Can we uh, lay any more asphalt? Mm, not so much if it's really a wet day or if it's freezing, freezing, freezing cold. So we change that all around. And that's part of being a 
good contract administrator and it's skills that I've learned over the years of running projects, running projects on time. It's so frustrating when they don't run on time and I'm one of these people who cannot stand excuses. Don't tell me that you're running late by an hour, you're being uh, disrespectful to me because you've not turned up on site, you can't get the materials that I've asked for, you can't get the labour that I've asked for, so and so. I actually could not care less about excuses. If you tell me your van's broken down, that's it, you're off the job. That's kind of my thing. I run these things so tightly because we have to get a job done by a certain amount of time. This job will actually come in at finishing the week after Christmas. So we are a long way to go, but these are huge, huge buildings. These are mansion blocks. Um, and it's important that we get it right. It's got to be good looking, it's got to be beautiful, but also we've got to be in keeping with what is going on in the local area because it's in a conservation zone. So it's very important that we retain the original look and feel of the building. So it's been great to get started on this actually, really, really great. I like, uh, I like all the updates that are going on. And today, I know it's day one of this project, but it feels like it's been going on for uh, weeks with the amount of stuff that we've had to put in behind the scenes. Um, but day one, I'm feeling pretty confident uh, that everything is going to plan. So touch wood, if you can hear me knocking on the table in front of me, everything else continues to go to plan thereafter and we end up with a really really good job uh, if you follow me on instagram i'm probably going to post most of the pictures over there i will try and put it in facebook as well but my instagram handle is at mcreal underscore estate that's me so find me on instagram and you can follow the progress too as i have pictures i will update it over there so that's quite exciting um if you're subscribed to my mailing list, uh, you will have known from the Sunday evening's mail out that I'm currently in New York as well, looking for uh, a residence in New York because I'm going to be going backwards and forwards between America and the UK for a little bit of time. I can only say that it's been one of the most frustrating things that we have had to do. One of the biggest things is that we don't have credit history over here and so it's very, very difficult to get anybody to take us seriously. We're very much persevering and I will never ever let anything stop me in my tracks. But it may mean that we can't get the apartment blocks that we wanted. I've had my eye on some apartments for a while. I, I already had all of the interior design in my mind kind of thought out. Um, I knew I was gonna get everything from and now that might have to change slightly. So I'll keep you updated. But for all of you that listen, if you're ever passing through New York or you're passing through London or the UK, just get in contact with me via Facebook or email me or go to the website www.ncrealestate.co.uk and you can get in contact with me. I'm always available. Love catching up with people in the property industry. It's my jam. It's what I like doing and I'm, I'm very excited about everything that's going on right now. Uh, update on my London flat that we're selling at the moment. The interior design is going in at the moment. I've got a lovely couple of friends that I work with. My actual property management partners, uh, if you don't know, I also run a property management firm in the UK. They are currently working on the interior design for the flat so that when it goes on the open market, it will look absolutely beautiful. Um, and again, I will share those images online too. So there is loads of stuff coming up. There's loads of projects in the pipeline. 
And quite frankly, I love doing it all. And I love that I can run it all from my MacBook and wherever I am, technology is awesome. I'm so grateful for it because I can see everything. Every single thing that's going on, I have a very careful eye on. So it's not as if I'm up to left to a different country and can't see anything. I see everything. It's kind of my organizational nature that I like to be on top of everything. And I'm very excited about everything that's going on and I'll keep you updated with all of these different projects that are in the pipeline. Right, let's get on to this main topic of the week. And unless you've been hid under a rock or you just completely ignore the property news, you will know that next Monday, the 1st of October, every single HMO needs to be licensed. Yes, you heard me, as of the 1st of October, 2018, next Monday, so we're on a six day countdown from the day that this podcast goes out, you must apply for a HMO license on your HMO. And it doesn't matter how many flaws it's got, all these ridiculous rules about if you have 17 households over 14 rooms or whatever, no matter who you are, you if you own a HMO, so a house of multiple occupation, you definitely now need to apply for a HMO license with your local council. It's as simple as that. Um, it's estimated that 77,000 more landlords will need to pay for a license for the first time. So no longer is it only people um, in England if the property is three or more stories tall. This is everybody. So that's an extra 77,000 landlords who are going to be needing to do this. What it also includes is that there are now minimum sizes for bedrooms. For an adult bedroom, the minimum, minimum, minimum size that you can have on a bedroom is 6.51 square meters. And for a child, that's 4.64 square meters. And that's an absolute limit. Do not try and push this. And quite frankly, if you have got bedrooms that are that small, you need to be looking at yourself and thinking, why on earth do you have bedrooms that are that small? You need to be making sure that these properties are fit for human habitation and that's a different bill that's coming out next year so come on guys like let's get with the picture so how much is the cost for a HMO license well it really is variable depending on the local authority so depending on which authority you are applying to it could be anywhere between 500 pounds and over a thousand pounds per property and you are going to have to pay for this every single time you get the license for your HMO and usually HMO licensing is once every five years. So this is a cost that you need to be looking at and factoring in to buying a HMO. Well, what will happen if you don't do this? Because I know a lot of people think, oh, it's just another silly government scheme. Why on earth do I have to keep up with this? Well, if you don't do it and the local authority finds out, there is a £30,000 fine you must be applying for your license now. If on the 1st of October, you have not applied for your HMO license, there is no application going through or you haven't got your HMO license, that's when you can be fined immediately that £30,000. Now, if the local authority doesn't find out that you haven't registered your HMO, tenants could find out because obviously they can have a look on the HMO licensing register to find out if your HMO is licensed. And if it's not, they can apply for a rent repayment order and claim up to 12 
months of rent back. So they can apply for that. And all they need to do is go to Systems Advice, which is readily available to everybody, and ask how they go about doing it. And it will be really, really, really simple for them to get that. The other thing is, is that if you haven't applied for a license, landlords, you cannot use the Section 21 notice seeking possession. So there are so many reasons why you really, really should just pay and get this HMO licensing done. Now, here's the caveat. HMO licenses take a long time. This isn't just something that you do and you think, oh, this will be okay. You know what, it's only gonna take me a couple of minutes. No, HMO licenses are huge, huge, huge documents. You're going to need to know everything about your HMO. So you're going to need to have floor plans. You're going to need to have room sizes, even of the common space. So even if the bathrooms, the living rooms, the kitchens, if you don't have all of that in one bedroom, you are going to need to know room sizes of absolutely everything. You are also going to have to need to have your health and safety up at top notch, not just trying to budget. You need to make sure that the health and safety in your HMO is just so watertight. So that's your gas safety. That's making sure that you have smoke alarms, smoke detectors, or you've got a robust fire safety system. And if you don't know whether you've got that right or not, you're going to have to apply to get a fire risk assessment done so that you can see exactly what it is that you need to do. There will be local fire risk assessors in your local area. And if you don't know about that, please apply to your local fire brigade and ask them to recommend some fire risk assessors for you. You need to be getting this correct. As well as fire safety, you're, of course, you're going to have to have your CO2 alarms your, and your carbon monoxide alarms um, for any properties that have gas in them. So that is not excluding anybody. If you've got gas in your property, make sure you're doing that. You also, of course, have to have your gas safety checked on a yearly basis and make sure that if there is any problems whatsoever, you're getting that fixed. If you are in an old building where you've got a water tank that is supplying the water to your property, of course you're going to need to have that checked on a weekly basis for water testing. That's to stop the prevention, um, stop the spread of Legionnaires' disease, which you don't want your tenants to get. The other thing is, is that you're going to have to have a look at how else you can make the property safe. Are you are you ensuring that there's hot water running into the building? Are you ensuring that the property doesn't have any mold or damp in there? Are you ensuring that you are providing your tenants with safe, clean accommodation? All of this is vital. Then remember that once that HMO is licensed, the environmental health and the council can come out and check it at any time. And chances are, if you've got a big HMO, they are going to want to come and check it ASAP to make sure that you are doing what you say you do. The other thing is, is that when you submit a HMO license, it might be that the council comes back to you and they say they're not going to give you a HMO license until you've done X, Y, and Z. And that can be a range of different things. You have to make sure that you are on top of that and you are complying. A couple of other things that you need to make sure that you're aware of, electrical safety, making sure that there's no hazards on site, anything that could cause any issues whatsoever, trip hazards, if there's any other fire hazards. You really have to look after this HMO. It is no longer that simple that you just buy a HMO, you put some tenants in there and you just leave it to do whatever it likes. I have seen that happen all too often where 
you basically buy a turnkey HMO. Some property investor has done up a building, they've separated it all out into a house of multiple occupations, so different tenants from everywhere can live in there. They make it look beautiful, they make it look like such a great investment, and then all you have to do as a property investor is go and buy it off of them. You've then got it all pre-made, and you just think, right, I'm gonna get whatever tenant in there, they can live in there, and then you leave it and you take the income from it. That is not the case anymore. And what I really like about these changes is the fact that actually it's putting a lot of pressure on HMO landlords to get it right. More often than not, HMO landlords get it completely wrong. I have seen HMO landlords try and separate out bedrooms just by putting a crappy bit of partitioning in between in the middle of a room to separate it out into two rooms that's not a fire safe partition it's gone straight down the middle of a, a window and it's made these rooms so box small luckily where that's happened in london uh, hmo landlords have already been arrested for doing that thank gosh you cannot be buying these properties and putting people in substandard accommodation it's actually disgusting and also, if as a landlord you feel that you don't have to comply with HMO regulations and you don't have to comply with health and safety, I hope you get the fine and I hope you go to jail and I hope you stay there for as long as it takes for you to realise that it is a nasty thing if you do not want to look after your tenants. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so supportive, supportive of this. My biggest concern is that local authorities just don't have the capacity to go out and actually have a look if a, if a property is registered and if they are actually a HMO. Local authorities are struggling as it is. Austerity has meant that they've had to put cuts in place. You're not getting the service from the council that you used to. And I don't know who's actually going to go out and check. And that's a worrying thing because I think the people who don't apply for HMO licenses are the people who want to try and fly low. They do not want to put their head above the parapet and go, actually, hi, I'm a HMO landlord. Look, I've done everything correctly. Those are the people who probably are doing things incredibly wrong. And that is a concern because who is actually going to go out and spot them? If the tenants don't know to go to uh, citizens advice, if the tenants don't know to even complain to environmental health because they're so scared that they might get chucked out of their uh, property uh, and the landlord can just go clean sailing around, t taking in these huge amounts of rent and no one ever notices, well, that's a bit of an issue actually. Um, and so I'm hoping that something is going to change where actually anybody who has got a buy-to-let landlord uh, mortgage or a commercial mortgage is declared to the local authority and then in which case they can see that and they go oh okay this person might need a license in which case they can simply write to the landlord so that's that would be land registry and the mortgage lenders actually disclosing more information so that it's more transparent i think that's one of the biggest of a really frustrating problems uh, with the uh, English housing law system and land registry is that it, although we can pay to get that information, it's not readily available and that causes problems because again, it goes back to the council, well, they don't have enough people to go and have a look for um, these HMO landlords. Do you think that's top of their priority? 
Mm, probably not. They they actually deal with things on a more reactive basis. So if someone's sent a complaint to them, then they're thinking, right, okay, you know what? We're going to go and do something about it. But if a landlord manages to continue being under the radar, then chances are that they're not going to get noticed. So I don't think that this is going to be the be all and end all of stamping out rogue landlords. Another thing that I think will come from this is the fact that HMO is looking less and less like a good investment. Actually, HMOs take a huge amount of management. They really do. You have to be on top of absolutely everything. Rather than just having one household in a property, you have got loads of different households, all with their own agenda, all with their different needs, wants, and so they should, quite frankly. Uh, as an individual, you want to live in a clean and safe home, and so you are going to badger your landlord until you get that. Of course, as well as that, you have got the changing of tenants continuously. You have to get the tenant mix right so that all of the tenants like living with one another, because if they don't, they're going to move out far quicker. You're going to have that bigger changeover of tenants. You're going to have to keep paying letting fees, which can get really expensive. Also, with HMOs, the wear and tear on the building is far higher. You have to replace things a lot quicker than you do if you had just a single household in a premises, mainly because, unfortunately, with HMOs, your tenants don't look after it as well as they might do if it was their own private accommodation. You also have to then think about, actually, should you get a cleaner in? Maybe you need to get uh, regular maintenance just to go in there and check out what's going on. Of course, you're keeping up with your health and safety as well. There's so many different things that are going on with HMOs that it can take up a lot of your time. Yes, of course, the trade-off is that you get more money, but with the changes to tax, uh, the more difficult it is to get finance and probably the higher interest rates that that attracts and the fact that you now have to be paying these licensing fees every couple of years, which can be quite hefty on the bigger HMOs. It's looking less and less attractive to have a HMO. In fact, I know a lot of people who are now trying to dispose of their HMOs in favour of buying single lets or they're turning their HMOs back into one house and... To be quite honest, I, come, I understand why they're doing it. I don't think HMOs as well are really that tenant friendly. I think if you're going to do a good HMO well, you want to make sure that each of the rooms are big enough. So it's like a bed sit. There's a small kitchenette in the room, for example. There's an ensuite. It gives that tenant their own peace of mind that they've got their own safe storage space. They've got their own place where they can go and lock the door and they're, they're alone, they're fine. I think a rise in that kind of living will be more appropriate going forward. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of change of how HMOs are, are and how they look and how they feel because there certainly is a decline in people wanting to live in that sort of accommodation. However, of course, there are some landlords who are still doing incredibly well from it and make sure that this is part of their bread and butter of property investing. So I hope your key takeaway from this podcast is that you should be going out and applying for a HMO license if you have any sort of HMO. Do it now. Don't think, you know what, I've listened to this podcast, do it in a couple of days' time. Time is literally running out. You've got a sixth 
day turnaround on this and those HMO applications are usually huge. So please make sure that you are doing that. And I know it may sound like it's a tax and there's so much stuff going on and oh my gosh, woe is me as a landlord. There's always new things being put in place, but this time I think it's justified. HMOs require a lot of care and attention and this is the way that the government can actually make sure that that is being put in place. So rather than whinging, get on with it. Please go out and do your HMO license. So I hope this podcast has been really useful for you. If you've loved it, don't forget to push like and subscribe so that you get it straight into whatever podcast provider you use first thing on a Tuesday morning. And if you want to find out any more about me, head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk or go to Facebook and join my Property Investment Mastery Facebook group. Thank you for listening this week and I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.